Hi, my name is Andrea Bumstead and I am a member at Restore Temecula. If you are new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help in any way, please visit our website at www.RestoreTemecula.com and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android App Store. With all of that said, we hope you enjoy the message. Intense thing. Uh, I missed you guys last Sunday, I really did. I was uh, with Restored LA, I was preaching there. And uh, guys, it was, it was a really beautiful morning. Um, I was preaching on healing and I'll just tell you one quick story. This woman comes up to me uh, at the end of the second service. She comes up to me and she's like, it was like, guys, it was like something out of the Bible. Um, in that she was, it was really sensational. She's crying and she's, she's shouting. She's shouting, he healed me, he healed me, he healed me. And she's like weeping. And we're like, okay, hi, like I'm Tom, like what, what's going on? And she, she, she shows me her knees, her knees, like she couldn't straighten her knees. And so she sits down and she just sticks her knees straight out and she's like, he healed me, he healed me. Like the physical therapists haven't been able to do anything. The doctors haven't been able to do anything, but Jesus healed me and she's weeping and she has this like profound and radical encounter with Jesus right there in the middle of the gathering. Um, And it was awesome. So afterwards I go to Brad, I'm like, hey, that woman, is she like trustworthy? Like, (laughs) and he's like, yeah, she's an amazing lady. And God just touched her life. It was really, 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 really special, really, really good. And so uh, as much as I missed being with you guys last Sunday, I feel like there was a, um, a worthy investment and deposit uh, that I got to witness God do uh, last Sunday with Restored LA. Now, this morning, let me start my timer. Uh, this morning, um, we're going to be back in our series going through uh, Matthew, the king and his kingdom, where we're, we're exploring and we're learning as much as we can about King Jesus and what his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like. When we talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, those things are synonymous. And when we talk about this stuff, what we're referring to is the rule and the reign of King Jesus. So what what does it look like when God gets his way? Usually, dare I say, every single time when God gets his way, the result is going to be his creation flourishes. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, if we're going to be children of God who are going to inherit this eternal, flawless, perfect kingdom, we, we should know a little bit about it. And so that's what we've been exploring through, God, through Matthew's gospel. And we're going to keep that going this morning. So uh, for the sake of time, why don't you just grab your Bible? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 this morning, a very familiar story that I'm sure many of you have gone through several times but I think there's something really special for us. I think, dare I say, Jesus wants to touch some of us this morning in a really intentional and personal way. So Matthew chapter eight, before we start reading here in verse 23, I wanna pray for us. So I'm gonna ask you to join me. Holy Spirit, right now, we just open our hearts to you.
Oh, Father, we acknowledge your goodness. We pause and, and, and acknowledge your holiness, your glory, your care. I feel like even right now, Holy Spirit, you, you are highlighting the fact that, God, you care. Some of us in the room, um, it's been a minute since we felt and experienced your loving care, the hand of our Father in our lives. I pray for that this morning. I ask you, Father us. Spirit, show us the glory and beauty of Jesus. Restore and strengthen our faith. We love you and look to you. Thank you for your word. We pray that it would um, make its way even deeper into our hearts and minds and not just in us, but through us. We love you, Jesus. And we say it together, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter eight, starting in verse 23. I'm gonna read all the way to verse 27. It says this. As he, he is Jesus, got into the boat, his, disciple, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. He said to them, why are you afraid? You have little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. All right, so that's our passage for this morning. Very, like, I don't know, very famous story of Jesus calming the storm, right? Here, here's, I, wanna, I, wanna, I have like four kind of points I want to glean from this. I, I, think, I think I've preached on this passage, either from, from Matthew's account or from another gospel account. I think I've probably preached this, man, at least half a dozen times. But I feel like there's a few things that God has for us in this time of a, as a community that I think I wanna, I wanna touch on, okay? And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing is this. Jesus led his disciples into the storm. Now, I think verse 23 is written with intentionality, all right? Matthew wrote this, right? He could have just written, Jesus and his disciples got into the boat, but he didn't write that, did he? What did he say? He said, his disciples followed him. Okay? So I want you to see the picture here. Jesus is leading them, and they are following him. Jesus is, is leading his disciples into something dangerous. They don't see it yet, but nonetheless, we, having, written, having read this, this story... We know what's coming for them. Jesus is leading them into something dangerous. Why on earth would Jesus do this? Um, this past week, I came down with something. Um, I have three theories on, as to what I came down with. I unknowingly ate spoiled butter. Okay, it had like mold. It was rancid. Okay, it was really bad. It was terrible. 
So I unknowingly ate spoiled butter and then I ate it and then figured it out. It was like, oh God, no. Woke up the next morning, sinuses were a mess. So I was like, okay, maybe it's just spoiled butter. But then I started to get like body aches. And I was like, okay, maybe it's a flu. And then people were like, COVID's going around. And again, I was like, okay, maybe it's COVID. So my theory is it's one of those three things. Nevertheless, I was like down and out for three or four days this past week. Like in bed, like it was not fun at all. And I, going on like day three, guys, I, I got up to like go to the, use the restroom or something. And in order to do so, I, I walked past a mirror. And I hadn't seen myself in a few days. And it was one of those moments, it was like, good God! <laughs> like, you ever see those like zombie apocalypse movies? That was your boy, man. It was rough. It was, it was not good. It had been a while since I looked in the mirror. And like, it got me thinking like, how many days, if I wasn't sick, like let's say you weren't sick, how many days do you think you could go without looking at your reflection? What if we played like a game? What if like as a church we were like, okay, this is, this is, I'm, this is why you write notes when you preach and not just come up with things on the fly because I'm gonna say something that might sound sketchy, but I'm gonna do it anyway. What if we all put in like 10 bucks right? You know how some people do like, okay, we're all going to like try to lose weight and whoever loses the most weight gets the pot. What if we did that for like, who could go the longest without looking at your reflection in a mirror at all? How long do you think it could go? Anybody think they could go a full like day? What about two days? Some of the guys are like, dude, I could go a month, man. (laughs) Ladies are like, I don't like this game. How long do you think you could go without looking in the mirror? Mirrors, what they do is they reveal your true condition, don't they? Friends, hear me. The storms of life, the relational storms that we go through, right? The conflicts, the financial storms, the uncertainty involved in all that, the health storms, the family, household storms. Friends, they're like a mirror. They're like a mirror that reveals the true condition of your faith. Of, of, of your, when I say faith, I mean like trust. Your, your confidence and your trust in God. And hear me, Jesus leads these disciples into the storm. And what's the, what's the disciples' reaction? And keep something in mind, these are ex-professional fishermen. They know, their way around, they know their way around the lake. They know a thing or two about boats, okay? But so he, Jesus, he leads these disciples into the storm, and how do they respond? Talk to me. Yeah, they're freaking out, okay? What do they say? Lord, save us we're going to die. So there's a level of anxiety, there's a level of panic, there's a level of fear, there's a level of, there's so much danger that is more powerful than me. They freak out. And how does Jesus respond to their response to the storm? He says, why are you afraid, you of little faith? Now, interestingly, that word afraid in the original Greek that it was written in, that word afraid, it's different than the typical biblical word that's used to describe fear. 
So when you talk about like fearing the Lord or like just a deep reverential fear, like it's a, is it, if you want to do a beautiful, amazing word study, go study fear of the Lord, like fear in the Bible and all of its implications. I don't have time to get into that. But what I will say that's important to note here is that word that's translated, why are you afraid? It's different than the typical word that's used there. What this word, this original Greek word that they translated afraid, what it means is it means to lack courage. In other words, it means to like be cowardly. And we talk about, we've talked about this actually quite a bit recently, that faith, biblically speaking, faith is confidence and trust in God that's displayed through action. Confidence and trust in God that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he's gonna do, right? So essentially, what Jesus is saying here to his disciples is, hey guys, like, why are you lacking courage? Why are you being cowardly? You're demonstrating that your trust in God is is weak. Your faith is little, it's weak. So hear me, friends. When we face storms in life, which everybody in this room is pretty much an expert on facing storms in life. When you and I, when we face storms in life, it's like Jesus is walking you over to a mirror that you haven't looked at in a while. Hear me. Jesus, he led his disciples into the storm because, my main points here, because storms are like a mirror that reveal the true condition of our faith. It comes out of you. Now, it's interesting because it says that the storm storm came suddenly. Did you catch that? Suddenly. Dude, isn't that so often the case? Storms of life. They seem to kind of come out of, of nowhere, right? They come up suddenly. The problems with storms is that you can't schedule them. I, my life, I'm in a season right now where I feel like my calendar is so like, if, if something shifts, it's like, oh my gosh, the ripple effects of that. It's like, how do I, keep, how do I now, oh, there's just a lot. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe it's like, wake up, get in the shower, get the kids to school, get to work, like, and it's like, have something ready to bring to the Lord's Supper so that I'm contributing to the meal, boom, 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 all the, and then there's practice, and then there's rehearsal, and then there's this, and then there's that, and then there's the birthday party. Anybody else relate to that? Yeah. We live in the suburbs, of course you relate to that. Life, right? You can't schedule the storms, right? That means that their timing is never convenient. Now, let's talk about the severity of storms. Sometimes the storms we face in life are like mild storms, okay? Other times, they're like the storm that was in this passage. Did you catch how he described the storm in this passage? He said it was violent. Violent enough to cause ex-professional fishermen to think they were going to die. So me getting sick, it was, I can't tell you how inconvenient the timing was 
of me getting sick this past week. It was, it was terrible. I'm like getting ready. We're getting ready to, to go to, 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 on the Africa trip. I had the, the preach in LA. Like there's all these things that needed to happen. The timing was really inconvenient. I have a lot going on. But all things considered, it was a really mild storm, okay? It was a really mild storm. But hear me, mild storms are still mirrors. They're still mirrors. They still reveal the true condition of our faith. Do you want to know what I saw when I looked in the mirror, spiritually speaking, from this, uh, this past week of being ill and the mild storm that I was facing? Because it is, it's a, it's a mirror that reveals to me the true condition of my faith in that moment. Here's what I learned about the, contru- the true condition of my faith, my trust in God this past week. And it was a sobering one. And it's this. Oftentimes, I trust more in comfort than I do in Jesus. That's a sobering reality. What about you? What about you? Are you facing storms in your life right now? I know this is cliche. I know it's like the Christian storm. Jesus calms the storms. But like, just track with me because I think there's power here. Are you facing any storms in your life right now? Maybe you're in between, or maybe you're right in the middle of one. Maybe it's mild, maybe it's violent. What's the mirror revealing about the true condition of your faith, your trust in God? Hear me, friends, if you're a disciple of Jesus, it's only a matter of time until he leads you into a storm. Whether it's mild, whether it's violent, Every, hear me, friends, this is, a, this is a big deal. Every storm that we face in life is like a mirror. It reveals the true condition of your faith. It's like Jesus walking you over to that mirror and going, hey, it's been a while since you've seen your true condition. Why would he do that? Here's why he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it to rub it in your face. He doesn't do it to condemn you. He does it because he wants you to experience reality and he wants you to experience his love and his power, his delivering power. But that happens in phases, doesn't it? Now, there's another aspect that I want you to see here and that's this. These disciples, right, they were together when the storm rolls in. Uh, this past summer, <clears throat> we try to do like a, a family camping trip every summer, right? And our go-to kind of region of the state that we like to camp in is in the Sierra Mountains. We love it. Eastern Sierras in particular because they're not quite as crowded as the Western Sierras, although anymore, <laughs> secrets out. Um, but we love going up there. And one of the, if you've ever camped or been around that, that, that region of the mountains, um, just up 395, there's just north of Mono Lake, there's this little treasure of a California state park called, called Bodie. Does anybody raise your hand if, you've, if you know about Bodie or you've been to Bodie? Okay, a handful of people. So Bodie is basically, a, it's a ghost town, right? <clears throat> and so in 1875, uh, they discovered gold. And so as it was with the gold rush, whenever someone would discover gold, what would happen? 
there would be a, just a ton of people who would flock to this area because they want to get rich. They want to find gold. So 1875, Bodie becomes this boom town, right? All these people come into mine and find gold. And then as it happens, the gold dries up and everybody leaves. And what was once a boom town is now a ghost town. When I say ghost town, I don't mean that it's haunted. I mean that everyone's gone. And Bodhi's this treasure because it's, there's, there's, there's all these buildings that are still there. I mean, you can literally, like, you can walk the streets of Bodhi and the, the, a lot of the buildings are still there. So we spent the day just cruising around Bodhi. I've been there before, but I hadn't taken my kids. So I take my kids and we're cruising around Bodhi for the day. We're looking at these buildings. And I think the best part is that you can look inside of these buildings. So we spent the day like looking in through the windows at these essentially like time capsules. It's spectacular. I want to show you guys some, some photos here. Will you guys throw those photos up? I'm going to turn my microphone off for a second. I'm going to cough. Okay, so can anybody guess what this is? Yes. So this is the church. I mean, it's just so cool, man. This is the church. We're like, you know, checking it out through the window. You guys can go to the next one. Okay, this is a saloon. One of the things, if you study uh, the history of Bodhi, they had a ton of saloons. <laughs> it was like, you know, there's like a Starbucks on every corner here. Like there's a saloon on every corner in Bodhi. You can see the billiard table still there and the bars there in the back. I mean, how cool is this? You guys can go to the next one. Uh, this is another saloon. You can see the bar. Just people just left. Keep going to the next one. Oh, this one's really cool. This is the school. So they have like the little schoolhouse. I mean, there's like, there's like announcements. There's assignments. There's stuff written on the chalkboard. There's still books out. There are maps. And you guys can go to one more. Okay, so this is uh, Amelia and Vivian and their cousin Archie. And they're just, we're just spent the day looking through these windows into these buildings. Hear me. The storms of life, right? They aren't just a mirror that reveals the condition of your faith to yourself. The storms of life are also a window. A window that reveals the condition of your faith to the people around you. It just comes out. Friends, hear me. <clears throat> Few things in life are like storms. Storms, they, they affect us, and that effect that they have is observable to the people around us. Storms, they're not just like a mirror, they're like a window. They're observable, not just to ourselves, but to the people around us. These disciples, in this passage, they were in the storm together, okay? So they got to witness the true condition of each other's faith in real time. I can picture Peter just like freaking out, John crying over in the corner, like James is over there just shaking, like you can observe these storms. They have an effect on us and that effect is observable, not just to ourselves, but to the people around us. Now, that's a vulnerable place to be, isn't it? Stuff happens in your life, 
it affects you, that effect that it has is observable to the people around you. There's a level of exposure that takes place there, isn't there? That's a vulnerable place to be, to be exposed like that. And here's one of the things I feel like I've learned in a couple decades of pastoral ministry. Most people prefer to hide. Most people spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, making sure the curtains are drawn on the window of their life. Guys, did you know that you weren't created to live a hidden life? Like you, hear me on this one, okay? You weren't created to live a hidden life. You were created to experience love. And you cannot be loved unless you're known. And hear me, you cannot be known unless you're exposed. So the very thing that you are made for, to experience love, whenever we choose to hide, we're cutting ourselves off, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, we're keeping ourselves from the very thing that we were made for, to experience love. And you cannot experience love unless you're known. You with me? Storms are like windows that expose the condition of our faith to the people around us. This is why we're so big on gospel community. It's like if there's a hill that we're willing to die on as a church, it's like we're not a church with like programs. We're not a church with gospel community. Gospel community is not a Bible study. It's not an event. It's not something that you go to. No, a gospel community is a people. It's a community of people who are following Jesus together, who are enduring the various storms of life, whether they're mild or whether they're violent, and they're doing it together. They're regularly being confronted. Jesus is walking them over to the mirror and they can see their reflection of what's really going on inside them, the condition of their faith. And they're observing the people around them when they're going through storms. They're looking through the window going, that's the condition of my brother or sister's faith. And when you do that in community, it it requires a level of vulnerability because everyone's exposed. But this is why we're so big on this. The importance of of living in community. Friends, living in community isn't like an optional thing for the disciple of Jesus. You read the New Testament, find me one example of a Christian, not just like a leader, of a Christian who isn't living in community. In other words, that they're known and they know. It's a big, big deal. And I just want to take a moment and affirm this in this room. You guys do this, and it's flipping awesome. It's incredible. I, I'm gonna run out of time, I get it. Uh, do you guys realize how special and amazing our community is? Like, you guys experience the love of God through each other all the time, don't you? Yeah, one of the biggest reasons that you do that is because you're vulnerable enough to be known, 
that requires community. You guys are doing this. You're loving each other through the storms of life, the big ones, the small ones, the mild ones, the violent ones. It's incredible. Hear me. What a privilege. Our church is so much more than an event. And I praise God for it regularly because I know that's his desire. That's his heart. Jesus didn't give his life for an hour on Sundays so that we kind of like come in and maybe hear something inspirational and kind of feel a little bit better about some of the choices that we're making or feel inspired to make better choices, although that's cool. He died for an, to, 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 to establish and preserve an eternal family forever. And we get to taste that now. So I just want to affirm, like, you guys know this. You do it. And it's incredible and it's beautiful. Storms in life reveal the condition of our faith both to ourselves and to the people around us. We've got to see the purpose in the storms. We have to, or we're going to miss out on so much of God's work in our lives, okay? Let's keep rolling. Okay, Jesus says to his disciples, why are you afraid, you of little faith? Now, I don't, I, there's so much here, guys, but what I, what I don't want to do is I don't want you to think that the goal here is simply to be unafraid, Okay? That's important, but that's not, ultimately the goal here is not to just simply be unafraid. Tim Keller, pastor that's just like, respect him so much. He's had such a huge impact uh, on, on my life. His gospel teaching is just so rich. But he, he talks about courage. And he says this, he says, quote, he says, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's doing the right thing despite the fear. I love that. The goal is to not pretend that we're never afraid. The goal here is to exercise courage that's rooted in trust in God, faith, right? Our faith can empower us to live courageous lives instead of cowardly lives, right? Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's doing the right thing despite the fear. I want to take that just one step further in regards to faith. What Jesus is mentioning here in this passage, faith isn't the absence of fear. It's trusting God even when you're afraid. So it's not about this like, fake put on the mask, I'm never afraid thing. It's no, it's like, I'm gonna trust in God, especially when I'm afraid. You with me? It's trusting God, even in the most violent of storms. And again, just to affirm many of you in the room, you're doing this right now. You're doing it, man. Like, that's worthy of like acknowledging. Many of you in the room are going through not just mild storms right now, you're going through violent storms. And even if there's fear, you're maintaining trust in Jesus. Yeah! Like, there's this, uh, you guys watch The Chosen? There's this scene in The Chosen. It's this, not Jesus, right? But there's a scene in The Chosen where Jesus heals this guy and John the Baptist sees it from the others. Like, he's like, and he's just like, he watches it and it's like this heavy moment. It's kind of quiet. Jesus heals this guy. It's like heavy. And you just see John the Baptist like, yeah, like the kingdom of heaven just broke in. Check that out. So many of you, I'm going to lose my voice. So many of you, like you're facing violent storms right now. And yeah, there might be fear at times, but you're doing it in such a way where you're still trusting in Jesus. That is courage. And it's beautiful. Yeah, like that's what it's about. 
So many times in the scriptures, Jesus, he'll heal someone, he'll deliver someone from brokenness, and he'll say, it's your faith that saved you. What's he talking about? He's acknowledging something spectacular that's happening in that moment. You trusted me. You trusted me, even when you didn't fully see the big picture, even when the storm's going crazy, even if the storm's been going crazy for a while. So I just want to affirm, I look around the room and I could spend another hour just going like, it's messy, it's hard, there's grief, there's, there's disappointment, there's fear, but there's faith. It's worth acknowledging. I see several, several of you living that out right now. You want to know how I know? The reason I know that to be true is because storms aren't just a mirror that reveal the condition of faith to myself. Storms are a window that reveal the condition of your faith to the people around you, including me. You with me? I see your faith in this storm, and so does Jesus. So hear me, if storms aren't just a mirror, but if storms are also this window, that means we kind of have a responsibility to each other, doesn't it? When we see weak faith in a brother or a sister, what do we do? Well, I mean, that's not my place. I'm just gonna, they're going through it. I'll give them a a minute. What do we do? Hear me, those are the moments that will define the kind of church that we will be. When the storms of life roll in on a brother or sister and we look through the window and we see the condition of of their faith and it's weak, what we do in those moments will determine what kind of church we will be. The Apostle Paul uses the language of keeping the faith. He writes to encourage the churches, right, in the New Testament. He refers to this as keeping the faith. It's this, it's this, it's this concept of like guarding it, P- protecting this thing, man, not just in ourselves, but in our brothers and sisters. The church is a family, right? That means we're responsible for each other. And you guys do this really well. I see Christ in you. And I know that the Spirit desires to continue to strengthen this in us, grow us in this. Not that we've arrived. God's got so much more for us, but I see it in you. And it's radiantly beautiful. It's the kingdom of heaven breaking through. It's light shining in the darkness. What an incredible privilege, huh? to be the church, to love one another, especially in moments of weakness. All right, my final point. It's this. Gosh, there's so much in this passage, man. I could do three more messages. My final point, faith in God enables rest rest in the midst of danger. Faith in God enables rest in the midst of danger. Look back at verse 24. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus kept sleeping. That word swamped by the waves. Anybody ever visited a swamp? What makes a swamp a swamp? Soaking wet, right? Everything's wet. Everything is wet in a swamp, 
All right, so I actually love the way they translated this because it's such a beautiful, vivid kind of depiction of what's happening here, all right? Swamped by the waves. That means Jesus was soaked. He's soaked by the storm, but he was sleeping. Hear me. If storms are both a mirror and a window that reveal the condition of someone's trust in God, what does this tell us about Jesus' trust in his Father? Oh my goodness. It's, his trust in his Father is off the charts. I mean, right? Like, how do we know it's off the charts? Because he's sleeping while he's, literally, while he's being soaked by the storm. We talk about disciples, right? It's the mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus. What is a disciple? A disciple means learner. A disciple of Jesus is someone who's learning. It's a process. Someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, and operate like Jesus in every single area of life, okay? In every area of life. I think we, we like the enjoy part, Jesus saved me, he forgives me, he's wonderful to me, he's kind to me, he's loyal to me. I can enjoy that, I can enjoy him. Oh, yes. Obey him, it starts to get a little fuzzier there because we're like, yes, I want to obey you in these things, but there's this handful of other things that I'm like, I don't know if I want to obey Jesus with those things. And then we get to operate like Jesus and for whatever reason, it's like all bets are off on this one. A disciple is someone who's learning to enjoy Jesus, obey Jesus, and operate like Jesus in every single area of life. Operate like Jesus even when you're being soaked by the storm. So hear me, like, do you see what's going on here? Jesus is, he's absolutely brilliant. He's the greatest teacher. He's the greatest leader. He's supreme. Like no one even comes close. <laughs> Do you see what's happening here? Jesus is literally modeling for his disciples what faith, trust, displayed through action, right? He's modeling for his disciples what faith in God produces. And what does it produce? It produces a rest, like a transcendent rest even in the midst of, of danger. It produces a peace even in the middle of a violent storm. He doesn't, he doesn't just go, hey, trust me, be at peace and be at rest. He goes, watch me. Learn from me. Oh, there's nobody like him, huh? He goes before us, doesn't he? He's the best. Like, I want you to see the intentionality of Jesus here, friends. He's literally training his disciples. How? With storms. Dare I say he's still doing it. So listen, can can I just encourage the room right now? Can I encourage us? The storms that you face in life, they are training grounds for your faith. 
You know what that means? That means there's purpose, friends. They're not arbitrary. They're not punishment. They're a training ground for your faith. And that means they're ultimately, hear me, they're ultimately for your good. Even if you don't see it yet. King David, he, he, he got this. If you, if you study David's life, he, he, he grew to understand this reality. He, he, he learned that following God's lead, right? Jesus led them into the storm. He learned that following God's lead and trusting him along the way, even in the middle of danger, that it leads to rest and peace that's transcendent. What David did is he likened this, what I'm describing to you, he likened it to a sheep following the lead of their shepherd. Let me read you Psalm 23. You've heard it. Let's read it with some fresh lenses, shall we? I'm gonna read half of it. See if this sounds familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Listen to this. Even when I go through the darkest valley, the most violent storm, I fear no danger, no evil, no storm. Why? For you're with me. You're in the boat right next to me, Jesus. Friends, David, we can learn from him. A lot of things, actually. One of the things that we can learn from David is that his trust in God, his faith, it produced a transcendent rest. In the midst of the dangers of the darkest valley, of the most violent storm. Why? Two reasons because the good shepherd led him there and his good shepherd was with him in it. That will produce a transcendent rest, a transcendent peace that no storm, I mean no storm, can destroy. So hear me, can I just encourage you one more time? No matter what storm you face, friend, Jesus is always with you in it. Always. And that means you don't have to be afraid of the danger. Faith in God enables rest in the midst of danger. All right, I'll close with this. Band, will you come up? Prayer team, will you make yourself available for us? I'm gonna clear my throat again, Scotty. Sorry. Sorry. We okay? No? All right. I'm going to keep going anyway, okay? Okay. So, let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. Let's let, let's let, 
God's words actually influence us, affect us, develop us, grow us, train us, mold us, shape us. So here's the question for you. In light of everything we've talked about this morning, here's the question for you. What's the current condition of your faith? What's the current condition of your faith? How about this one? Those of you that are married, what's the current condition of your spouse's faith? What's the current condition of your children's faith? The, 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 the people that you, are in, you do life, your gospel community, what, what, the other members of your gospel community, what's the current condition of their faith? Hear me. The storms of life will show you. They'll reveal it to you. What's the condition of your faith? What's the condition of the people around you's faith, people you love? Maybe you're in just a wonderful season, man. Maybe for you, like, when you, when you, when you, what you see in the mirror, you know? Maybe what you see in the mirror or, or what you see through the window is a faith that's strong, a faith that is, is robust, right? And you're witnessing and experiencing this transcendent rest even while, you know, the storm is soaking you and the people around you. If you're there, man, praise the Lord. Praise God. Like, keep the faith. Guard that. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's amazing. The gospel empowers you to live that way. Wonderful. Get after it, man. Or maybe it's different. Maybe what you see in the mirror or what you see through the window of a brother or a sister or a loved one is a faith that's weak. A faith that, that, that lacks courage. Just like the disciples in this story. Hear me. One of the most encouraging things about this story, friends, is what Jesus does when people, people even with the weakest of faith, when they come to him. Did you see it? Jesus said, why are you afraid? You have little faith. Weak faith, little faith. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's a loved one this morning. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's someone in your gospel community. Look at what Jesus does when people with weak faith even, when they come to him, Nobody like Jesus, huh? He brings them peace. He brings them peace. He, and here, here's what he does. He reminds them of just how trustworthy he is. No one's as powerful as Jesus. Nobody even comes close. He's got authority over every atom every cell, hear me, every storm. Nobody's as powerful as Jesus. And hear me, no one is as trustworthy as Jesus. 
Because the truth is, you know, we're, we're gospel people, we're Bible people. We know Jesus endured the greatest storm in the history of the universe. He absorbed the wrath of God for the punishment of sin onto himself. Find me a more violent storm. And why did he do it? Why did he endure the cross? Why did he not throw in the towel? Why did he come to earth in the first place? He did it for you. He did it for you. And he did it for me. You know what that means? (laughs) And he didn't just die. He rose. There's no one as powerful as Jesus. And hear me, there's no one as trustworthy as Jesus. So whatever the condition of your faith is this morning, whether it's just itty bitty, can I just remind you? Look how Jesus responds to people who bring, who come to him even with the weakest of faith. Let me pray for us. Will you stand if you're able? Spirit of God, I know that you're already speaking all over the room. I see it, I feel it, I sense it. ask for more, more grace on us. Show us more of Jesus, more of his power, more of his trustworthiness. Rekindle our faith, I pray. Rekindle our faith, I pray. Strengthen it, grow it, fan it into flame. You're trustworthy, Jesus. You're trustworthy, Jesus. The cross shows us you're trustworthy. This story shows that you're trustworthy. You demonstrate your trustworthiness. By the way, you demonstrate your power, driven, motivated by love. Help us to receive your love. Jesus, we honor you. We bless you. Restore our faith. Strengthen it. Remind us of just how trustworthy you really are. Help us to follow you like a sheep follows their shepherd. Your leadership, there's nothing like it. Help us to follow. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, the rest of the gathering, you guys know the drill. Priests and patients, priests, oriented around praising God just because he's worthy, not because they want something from him. Fill this room with praise. Minister to the Lord. Bless him just because he's worthy. And patience. Come receive care. Trust the men and women who would love to pray over you through the storms that you're going through right now. Or maybe the storms of a loved one. All right, I love you guys very much. You lead us, guys.